Well, today we continue on in our Lenten series with our Ten Commandments series, and we focus on the fifth commandment, the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, or the full version, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And I have to say that um, I didn't plan it this way, but my father is behind me, so if he makes faces, you know, it's not a reflection on how I've kept or not kept this commandment. As we look at the commandment today, the first thing that I want you to note is that it's a bridge commandment. It's a bridge commandment. What do I mean by that? Why would I say it's a bridge commandment? Looking at the Ten Commandments. It's the, well, both are right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a commandment bridging between what we owe God and what we owe man. And it's also the first command with a, with a promise, as St. Paul observes in Ephesians, right? And so, yeah, it's a bridge commandment. Um, it sits, typically, if you see the Ten Commandments written out at the top of the second tablet, the first four deal with God, the last six deal primarily with man's relationship with the rest of mankind. And ancient modern scholars believe that God arranged the Ten Commandments in a specific order. In a specific order. In other words, it's not willy-nilly how they're put together. There's a reason we start with God being our only God, right? And there's a reason that the commandments that deal with our interactions with the rest of mankind start with honoring our father and our mother. You see, in the first four... We're focusing primarily on worshiping God. But in the second six, we're focusing more on our interaction with society. But the second six are built upon the first four. And we already said last week that with the third and fourth commandment, God is not ambivalent to human relationships, right? God's not ambivalent to human relationships. Well, it's a fancy way of saying God cares about how we treat one another as well as what we believe, right? And any Christian that divides those two out and thinks they can honor God and not love their brother, St. John tells us is a liar, flat out. For he continues saying, if you can't love your brother whom you can see, how can you love God whom you can't? And so we see that here in the Ten Commandments too. With the commandments talking about the Lord's name, not taking his name in vain. Last week, you'll recall if you were here, we talked about the fact that taking the Lord's name in vain isn't just misusing his name as a blasphemy to him, but it's also that God tells us not to misuse his name to misrepresent him or yourself, right? That we shouldn't invoke his name for our own purposes to deceive our brother or our sister, and so we dare not miss the bridging that goes on here between the two groups. That's why I'm belaboring it so much. We dare not separate out the pietistic from the ethical. I'll say that again. Because in Christian life, we tend to do this, some of us. We dare not separate out the pietistic from the ethical. 
It's all the moral law. How you believe in God is reflected in what you do and vice versa. And the Ten Commandments teach that. It's God's intention, friends, also we see from this commandment, that the home is the primary place where loving and honoring God and respecting others begins. After first declaring the commandments, again in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18, we read these words. Fix these words of mine, and this is Moses speaking on behalf of the Lord, in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land of the Lord that he swore to give your ancestors as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. And so here we also see the heart of God in giving the commandments. That yes, he gives them for our good. And yes, he gives them for our prosperity. And when we dig into the language that's behind here, that your days may be long, it's talking about not just your personal life. It's not saying that if you obey and honor, your, if you honor rather your father and mother, that you're going to live to 95. That's not what it's saying here, although you may. But it's saying that your life will be good and fruitful in the land of the Lord, that you will flourish as a human being because you do this. So parents in Israel were charged with that great duty, that they held the responsibility primarily for the good and well-being of their children. The formation of their offspring was in their care. And the second ring beyond that in the care of their parents of their parents was their grandparents. And beyond that in the covenant people of God. We see a beautiful picture of this today in the first reading. Israel, also known as Jacob, meets Joseph's sons Ephraim and Manasseh. Take a look with me in your scripture insert. You see the story that was read to us here. The Bible tells us at the end of chapter 47, if you have your Bibles with you, that Jacob was ancient. It tells us at the end of chapter 47 that Jacob, also known as Israel, was 147 years old and nearing death. Immediately before our reading today, I didn't put the entire passage in because it would have been a really lengthy reading. But immediately before the reading today in chapter 48, verse 2, the second half, we read this. Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph in verse 3, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make you a company of peoples, and will give this land to your offspring 
after you for an everlasting possession. What we're reading there is that Grandpa Jacob here, known as Israel, is testifying to somebody's goodness, isn't he? What's he passing on? What's he passing on? This is an inheritance, but it's not what we typically think of as an inheritance, right? You know, we typically think of, where's the money? But what's this, an inheritance of? An inheritance of God's blessing. That's right. He's testifying to them that the Lord God, Yahweh, the one true God, is blessing them. You see, Jacob is acknowledging that God to his children. So even before he passes along that spiritual blessing, he's passing something else along to them. A witness. A witness. Do you see that? What's he saying about this God? This God appeared to me. This God is our God. This God loves us. This God is to be trusted. This God is the guarantor of the covenant that he's given to us. And so Jacob here gives glory to God throughout this first reading. Observe that. Mark that. Remember, friends, that this family was far from perfect. Right? Those of you that were with us last summer, we were going through this series about the patriarchs, and we heard all about Jacob and Esau. This is the very same Jacob, except at the end of his life. And this Jacob is the one who has wily and deceived his father for the blessing. You can also make the argument that it was the favoritism of this Jacob who got his son sold as a slave to Egypt. The very same Joseph here. His brothers sold him into slavery because he'd showed him the favoritism towards his son that his parents had shown towards him. And that's the backstory here. Yet nevertheless, this imperfect family knew that they'd been chosen by the Lord God and that that was a legacy and that that was a blessing. So why do we begin the fifth commandment discussion here speaking about a father and a grandfather who are flawed? A father and a grandfather who in many ways have failed their family. Because that's the truth of the full story. Because God chose them. Because God loves them. Because honoring one's father and mother begins not with a call for perfection, but with a call to honor one's father and mother just as one honors the Lord God Almighty. Joseph honors Jacob by providing for him in his old age here promising to carry his body out of Egypt once he's died and bringing his grandchildren to him to be blessed. For his part, Jacob testifies to God again in verse 11. And I believe this is in today's reading. Where we read, turning the page. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim 
in his right hand towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand towards Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. The father, the grandfather rather, depending on how you look at this story, bestows a patriarchal and priestly blessing on both his son and his grandsons here. Look at verse 15 now. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And let them carry, let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So many people think about the fifth commandment being primarily about obedience. Maybe that jumped to mind for you, too, when you first heard it. But obedience, while a component, is not the sum of this commandment. The sum of this commandment is honor. The Hebrew word is kabad. And in this context, it means obedience and honor. It's true. But it means, first and foremost, to give weight to. It means first and foremost to see yourself as knit and attached in a covenantal community, giving weight to this relationship, a weight of love, a weight of responsibility. Commentator Douglas Stewart writes this, parents have the awesome role in the family of representing God to the ch their children. Think about that for a minute. Parents have the awesome role in the family of representing God to their children. How many of us fall short on that that are parents? I know I do. What a weight. What a weight. Thank God that we don't carry it alone, right? That we're, we're imperfect. The heavenly, our Heavenly Father is perfect. And yet, it is an awesome responsibility to show what God's, to show what God's authority and love looks like to those who are our children. Douglas Stewart continues, the responsibility goes both ways. As God promised to take care of his dependents, Israel, for a long time in the promised land, so individual Israelites must care after their dependent parents for as a long time as necessary in their own families. And so here we see the honor is actually going two ways. The father and the mother show the children what God looks like. But as children grow up in age and start to have to take care of their parents, the roles get flipped and children care for their parents as their own dependents. And part of this is to show this back and forth that exists in our covenant relationships with each other. It's all part of God's covenant of love. It's part of what knits us together as a family. So what application does this have for us as Christians today? Well, you can probably see there's many. But let's first look at the immediate context. Like the other parts of the law, our Lord Jesus fulfills this law perfectly too, doesn't he? Did you catch in the gospel passage today? What's Jesus doing? Amongst other things, he's bearing witness to his father. 
in heaven and honoring his Father in heaven. By coming to earth, Jesus, the Son of God, our Lord, honors God the Father by becoming man and by caring for a disobedient and warped creation, people such as us. God comes to earth as Jesus, and Jesus obeys God out of love, even though that rebellious earth tries to kill him, as, he, as they do in today's passage. And of course, as we know, at the, end of the, at the end of the season of Lent, on Good Friday, they succeed in accomplishing that task. But nevertheless, God seeks us because it's the Father's love and will for him to do so. Look at today's gospel passage, particularly John chapter 10, verse 25 with me. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do, I do in my Father's name and bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Do you see, friends, this is the Father's will, that he be revealed to them. As our catechism states, Jesus honors his mother, Mary, as well. He honors Mary in so many ways throughout the scriptures. But how does he honor her the most as he leaves, as he's on the cross before his death? What does Jesus do? In John's gospel, we read how Jesus gives Mary to the beloved disciple, to St. John historically. Even while he's on the cross, he's honoring his father and his mother with his obedience and care for his mother. So we often fail in honoring our father and mother. Our Lord Jesus succeeds perfectly where we fail. And as we're found in him and in his perfection, he justifies us in this part of the law too. And yet his commandment also remains in effect for the good of all human beings, for us and the wider world but particularly for Christians. St. Paul writes about this in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 6. Perhaps you're familiar with it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then St. Paul adds this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So do you see, friends, there's many applications here, but the first is that God has ordained the family structure as a gift for us, as a gift for us. Yes, sometimes it grates on us. Of course, we all joke about our families. I know there's a car dealership ad that I hear once in a while that talks about, we treat you like family. And I thought to myself, hmm, I'm not sure that that's necessarily good. I mean, it depends, right? It depends on the day. But family is a gift from God. From the time of Adam and Eve's innocency, as the prayer book says in Holy Matrimony, God instituted marriage between a man and a woman. The husband and wife, in turn, partake in God's creation and bring forth children 
out of their love. From the beginning, the devil attacked the family with Cain's murder of Abel, a fratricide, right? The killing of one's brother. And continuing throughout the Old Testament, we see the devil attacking the family. And we see the family itself attacking the family. Sin gets introduced into the family like everywhere else. And so we always have to look at this in the context of what does God call us to and how does sin affect things? And how can we continue to honor God and honor our father and mother in that context? Well, first of all, God calls us to honor our parents. Let's put that out there. We can't just ignore them, right? But that changes in different times of life. Young children, older children, and teenagers are to honor their parents by primarily obeying them and respecting them. And so, children in the congregation, it is the commandment of the Lord, not just your parents, that you do what they say. God's given them to you. God's given them to you as a gift. So honor, obey, and respect them. Honoring means doing what they tell you to do or to stop doing what they tell you to do. I have a three-year-old. <laughs> Can you tell? For older children, this means not arguing or talking back to your parents. It means accepting your punishment and your discipline, knowing that they love you. It also means not being resentful or obstinate when they ask you to do something. Now, you can see some of these crossover into adulthood, too. It means, as hard as it is at times, realizing that your parents have more experience on you, at least 20 years. They've seen a lot more than you. They've gone through a lot more than you. They have things to say and speak into your life. And if they're Christians, they have that godly inheritance of how God's acted in their life to pass down to you. So be humble. Be humble. I know sometimes it's hard. <laughs> Overall, parents love their children and want what's best for them. There are exceptions, of course, but we're not looking at those exceptions. For the middle-aged... Hi, Patrick. <laughs> for the middle-aged adults out there, know that your parents long to be in relationship with you if they're, here with, if they're still here on this earth. They make, so make room for your parents in your life. Invite them over. Visit them. Call them. Don't ignore all their emails. They've been where you are and understand how busy you are. Trust me. If they're, they're your parents, they've been there. But honor them as the font of information and wisdom that they are to you. And of course, as you get older... This honoring changes yet again and caring for our parents, perhaps sometimes having those difficult conversations about whether they can live alone anymore or whether they can drive anymore or whether they need to move into assisted living. That's where it gets really hard, doesn't it? Because as your parents get older, you need to honor them. But honoring them sometimes means pointing out and parenting in a strange way your own parents because they can't see that. But do so with humility, dear friends. And of course, this expands too into the rest of our lives. The historic church has always taught that honoring our father and mother 
also means honoring those people in authority. As St. Paul writes to the Roman church, this means obeying those placed in government. As long as they're not acting tyrannically, as long as they're not calling you to do something that God has not called you to do, that transgresses his law, we are to honor those in authority. That's hard for us as Americans, right? We're a country that started off rebelling against the king, right? But it's not completely us alone as Americans that have trouble honoring those in authority. But the Lord calls us to do that too. For those are put in positions of authority by God. And as we read in the scriptures today, all authority comes from God. And so, friends, even when we disagree, and we do disagree with those in Congress, with those in the legislature, with governors and presidents and judges, right? And even when we disagree, we are to show them honor because God has put them in that place. This was modeled to me very well, actually, by my in-laws, who no matter who the president is, call him President Trump or President Biden. He might be a schmuck, (laughs) but he's been put in that position of authority, and so we are to show him honor. Now, our tendency as human beings is to rebel. But remember, rebellion is the original sin. Rebellion is what Lucifer did in the heavens. Rebellion is what Eve did in the Garden of Eden. Rebellion is our sinful legacy. And so while authority must have its limits, certainly, and that's why authority is limited by God's law, we are to honor those in authority, whether it's our father and mother, whether it's our political leaders, whether it's our spiritual leaders. In Hebrews, we're told that we're to honor those in the church that are above us. One of the things that I like to tell people is that as a priest, I am a man under authority. I sit under the authority of a bishop who sit under the authority of a college of bishops with an archbishop. We are knit together in covenant authority for our own good because we see so skewed. No one of us has the ability to discern God's will independent, which is why he's given us the great gift of our families and of the church. So friends, going forth, let us honor this commandment by honoring our father and mother and pondering in our hearts just where it is that we rebel rather than reasonably love and obey. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have given us and knit us together in families. Lord, as our colleague says, you have put the solitary in families. We do ask that you would turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, that we might honor and glorify you and be appreciative and pass down this godly legacy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.